podcast about nothing um this may be the last time i call this the podcast about nothing because i'm having a little bit of a crisis um no uh quirky uh intro today because i really don't feel like it i just want to get on with it and in the nicest way possible i do love you guys and thank you for listening but i want to record this and go to bed um this is kind of going to be like an updates episode and if you're not really into that kind of stuff then I suggest you turn it off right now um, because this episode is not for you. Um, but thank you for the support and thank you for people uh, just, you know, telling me to stick by it and suggesting me for things for now because it's really great. Um, but nevertheless, uh, last week there was noticeably no episode. Uh I was going to record an episode, like I was literally on my way to record something, and then on the mon- uh on the Sunday or the Monday, whatever day it was, uh I found out that a very, very, very close friend of mine uh has passed away. Um, she's no longer with us. And it just rocked me to my core. I I'm not dealing with it very well. Um, but nevertheless, the show has to go on. And I think that has been the hardest thing about grieving is that there's only so much that you can stop and grieve, if that makes any sense. Like, it was horrible. So yeah, anyway, that is why there is, um, there was no episode last week. And I would just like to quickly say, uh, Akora, like, she she was such a um, ray of sunshine. She was just such a ball of energy that I just like just every everyone radiated towards her, and I think like the amount of people that she's touched in such a sport, short space of time is absolutely crazy. Um, and yeah, I just, at the, at the moment, we're just all banded together, we're all just kind of uh, trying to make sure that we're all good, if you know what I mean, like, make sure that we're kind of grieving in the as well as we can, you know. Um, but yeah, grieving sucks, uh, and I think I have never grieved a parent, I've never grieved, thank God, you know, I've never grieved a family member, like, it's always been friends. And I think that has been the hardest part about this grieving process is that, like... Because, like, with family members, you're kind of taught certain things, like, because you're in the know, if that makes any sense. Like, if your mum passed away, you're kind of... Even if it's sudden, you're kind of there, if that makes any sense. Like, mentally, like, you're like, okay, mum's gone and I've got my family to rally with me, you know. Like, there's, like, a certain set of people, like, it's, like, even if your family's not like that, like, 
the way you grieve, there's like a certain, there's like a way, there's like a structure of how you grieve in the sense that's given to you by society, I guess. Uh, when it's like a friend, though, like you have to, um, you know, you rally around mutual friends, I guess. So you rally around people that knew said person. But the thing I'm finding hard about it is that um, with grieving and all that malarkey is that like, I don't know. There's also like, you have to set boundaries with friends. Like, there are certain boundaries that you have with family. Obviously, you still have boundaries with family. But with friends, it's kind of a little bit harder to, you know, where do, where do you draw the line? How much do I let you in? How much do we... It's because you don't want a trauma bond. But at the same time, you want to grieve as a collective. It's hard. I'm finding it really hard to... It's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, I'm finding it hard to grieve. Like everything is just making me cry and it's it's like it's just so upsetting like I'm literally just listening to Brookhampton's was it Brockhampton but I was listening to Brock Brookhampton's new album and which I think it's called Ginger it's really good but a bit more mellow than their last albums like all the like the one before that which is the album that I can't pronounce but it's the one with the pregnant lady like uh it was more angsty. That was more like Radiohead, and this one is just very mellow. This is more like, uh, insert white band here. I don't know. Uh, it's just mellow. It's just chill. Like it's just like more guitars. Like just there's like less going on, and it's kind of a little bit more honest. And I like this album, but I was literally before I put this podcast on. Um, listening to it as I was recording and uh there was a song on it that the thing was like the first or second song that literally I was just on the verge of tears because I started listening to that album when I last talked to her and there's all there's like I associate Cora a lot with music because I met her through music and we uh bonded over music and so much other stuff and it's just like to have a close friend uh to have a close friend, like, no longer be with you is... On, I don't wish it on anyone. It is, like, the worst experience ever. So, yeah. Um, that's that. So, what's going on with me? Like, uh, let's do a quick update on the things and the things and the stuff. Um, like I said, so... Ironically, uh, the ample title, I Am Not Okay, by, um, which was last uh, two weeks ago's podcast, or three, depending on how you look at it. Um, you know, I found out about Cora's passing uh, the day after, I like the day of, of me posting, actually, um, which was just the fucking icing on the cake. Like, if... I had to talk about irony or whatever. It was just like, of course, like I named the episode "I'm Not Okay," um, and then all this other shit kind of went down. So like, it's been like a, a like a descent into madness. Um, you know, I've had the flu, but I'm recovering from the flu. Um, started working more. I'm still poor. <laughs> Uh, had my event, uh, it was Passion, the live jazz night, 
it was absolutely amazing thank you for everyone that came down thank you like just thank you it was like better than I could have imagined it was better than I could have even like gathered like that it was crazy how good this event was and the fact that people appreciate good music uh want to thank people who essentially um try things for the first time because that is the point of fashion it's trying things that you are scared to try in front of an audience like and the message just hit home and I'm just so happy and just so glad that it's the it started to get the love that I've kind of wanted it to get. And yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy with the, the event. Uh, the next event or the next passion events will be a bit more acoustic, a bit more singer songwritey. Uh, so if that's not your team, maybe it's not the event for you, but it's going to be more of a sharing circle. So we, um, a sharing circle is not that uncommon in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of like where it's like a safe space to talk and to kind of vent and to talk about the feelings and things like that. Um, and yeah, so that is um, what we are looking at in October. More details will be released when I kind of sort things out. I've got the day, I've got the venue. It will be in self. I know people in self were complaining that it wasn't in self, but it will be in self next time. So... <sighs> it's uh passion is really kicking off and I'm just so happy. Like it's one of my favourite um it's one of my favourite things that I've done this year, in all honesty. Like I'm actually kind of glad that it's really kicking off. Um and yeah, that's been passion and that was I think last Thursday. Um and then yeah, since then I've been working, uh that's pretty much it, actually. I've, my life has been quite boring. Um, paying bills, trying to figure things out. There's an influx of dragonflies because it's officially autumn. Now, like, autumn is, like, my favourite season because it's, like... Well, it's, all, it's my favourite, but th things tend to go down in autumn. Like, everything, if, like, if someone wants to try and ruin my life, they tend to do it in September. Um, it's like they have a schedule that they kind of think, huh, September 1st, right, let's fuck with Anisha today. Um, but um, autumn is my favourite time of the year. Uh, like, Christmas, I just get very blue because I just don't like my birthday and I, you know, like, Christmas is always, like, signalling for something bad for me. So I don't associate, associate Christmas with good things. And summer, ugh, I just don't like the heat. <laughs> I don't like the pressure of going out all the time and if I have any fucking money over the summer, even though that might be changing next year. You know, it's kind of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, for, like autumn or fall, depending how you look at it, are like my favourite episodes. Episodes? What? It's my favourite time of year. Wow, I need to go to bed. Um, but yeah, it's my favourite time of year, but... There's just an influx of dragonflies, and I don't know why. There are, like... I bought... I have, like, a conservatory, uh, or greenhouse, however you want to look at it, um, at the back of my house. Um, I think someone accidentally left, like, one of the little ventilators open, and when I tell you, there are, like, 13, at the minimum, dragonflies in um, my conservatory, which is also where the fridges and all the uh, washing machines are. So that is disgusting disgusting to say the least so yeah that was that was nice <laughs> and yeah I hate like I hate bugs like I hate anything creepy crawly like flies ugh. like I don't 
I don't do anything that crawls or that flies or that slithers, nothing. The only thing I could probably deal with is a slug or a snail. And I think that's because I got had to get used to one because my little brother, because he put a hole in the wall, which I can't really even remember the reason why he put a hole, made a hole in the wall, but then he put a slug in it and we just had to kind of get used to the slug on the wall that we couldn't really catch. And he was like feeding it and everything. We were so confused at first. But, you know, here we are. Uh, so yeah, I that's kind of been it. Like I've just tried to survive. Um, I think th- the silver lining of all the situation is that it's actually forced me to slow down for once. If you know me, I just give me a round of applause because that is something I don't usually do. Um, it's forced me to slow down. I think it's forced me to concentrate on myself, like physically, like. Oh, you want to sleep? Maybe go to bed. You know, like, oh, you want to eat? Get some food. You know, it's kind of like things like that. Um, I didn't realise that um, I wasn't doing before. And it's just kind of this intense sadness and this depression, this weight has kind of forced me to do things. Like, I've actually been going to bed and, you know, I'm trying to, like, get back into normal things like brushing my teeth and having showers. But, again slow and steady slow and steady we are getting there um and yeah we move that is all we say uh well the one thing i do want to talk about which i did um as i was like nursing myself throughout these past two weeks is netflix and tv shows and things of that nature um yeah I want to talk about uh, a show that, I'm not going to lie, didn't mean anything to me until it came out, uh, um, I think it was like a week or two ago, and that show is Top Boy. Um, now, there's been a lot of discussion with Top Boy, with a certain person who's been writing articles, and we're not talking about that right now. Um, actually, we might talk about that later, but really, I just want to talk about Top Boy, because it actually feels a bit close to home. So yeah, here we go. So, Top Boy. If you don't know, it's a British drama. And it's about a group of black... They start off... Well, if you start with season one, which is called Top Boy Summer House, um, you start with these two characters, uh, Deshaun, and Sully, and they're essentially drug dealers trying to kind of keep their turf, so to speak. Um, and you know, it's just I guess the misadventures of a drug dealer. That's <laughs> I guess if you want to call it, if you want to, you want to describe it, it's the most British way possible. Um, yeah, that's literally the show, and it kind of talks about the different aspects of it. And I think what draws people in is that it's not just very one dimensional. Um, it's not very, like, oh, this is from the Sean's point of view. It's, like, it's from, it's from so many points of view that you can kind of empathise with. And I think my favourite thing... So I, like, watched the show from the very beginning, like, season one. Um, because I just had time to. And what I loved about it initially was, in a weird way, you didn't feel sorry for everybody, but you empathise with everyone. Which was really strange. Like, nobody was, um, so to speak, like, 
innocent in all of this, apart from maybe the kids. Yeah, apart from the kids, no one was really innocent, but they just kind of did what they needed to do. And I really loved that aspect of it. Um, and yeah, no, it was really cool. Um, there's a guy called Rashawn, I think Rashawn, Rashad, something like that. Um, he's also like the, again, I guess the innocent protagonist, so to speak. Um, and it was quite, it was quite cool to see, because he's like 14, 15, if that, and he's just kind of literally trying to go to school, and then people keep on dragging him, to, him into these things, and yeah, it's like, you kind of emphasise with him the most, because again, he's just trying to get on with life, and then everyone else is kind of fucking with him around him, so yeah, that's like season one of top boy summed up very badly <laughs> um and yeah it's just like there's nothing really what i will say is that they get better at um the seas as the seasons go on they get better at single singling in on different uh storylines because the first season as much as i did like it is one of my favorites um the thing that kind of made it a bit hard to watch or hard to get into is because there was so much going on at once like uh, Rashad, Bashawn, this this main the the main character's mum. Uh, she's like hella depressed, and then she gets admitted into hospital. She doesn't want her son to get taken into social services, so she says she doesn't have any children. Which I don't really, they don't have a file on her. I'm pretty sure that's how the NHS works, but whatever. So like, they uh, you know, there's like you focus on her storyline. There's like. Uh, Deshaun and Sully, they're trying to sort drug shit out. They're just doing bits. You know, like, this guy called Jem, and he's kind of accidentally kind of gets involved in all of this, and then he can't really get out of it because, you know, you can't. You know, like, and then there's just, like, a, the friend, like, Rashawn's Rashad. I, I'm actually going to Google it. <laughs> I'm, I am confused. I, it's his, I'm sure it's Rashawn. It's a something. Alright, I'm going to say Top Boy Summer House. Give me the name of the main character. Oh, they look so young here. Oh, Brian Eno. The fuck has he got to do with anything with this? Okay, that's good. That's that's from season three. We're not, we're not there yet. Okay, okay. Cast. No, no. Alright, so you're not gonna tell me. That's cute. Alright, that's fine. Let's let's go on to IMDB. Uh, oh my god, he looks so young here too. Oh they look like babies. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh school kid, school kid, kit, Jermaine, Shed no, none of these people. Whoa, he's got old. Don't care, don't care, no, that's not who I want. Rendell! Oh my god, it's Rendell. Okay, so just ignore everything that I've just said. <laughs> Rendell. I thought it was Rendell, it was for something, I was halfway there. So, Rendell has, like, a dad who ain't shit, which, what else is new? Um, and his, like, friend, uh... His dad's friend, sorry, kind of gets involved in the picture. Not like, you know, he kind of is like a dad figure, but not really. He's just like a, I'm going to warn you about the bad people on the street. And then, of course, he dies. Like, it's, 
like Top Boy season one is cool. It's a little bit predictable, but it 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 functions. I think I do like it. It functions, and the cast are really good, and it's also really sweet. And it reminds me of a time because it is like the phones are really shit. <laughs> like just every this is like London before gentrification, so it's just like oh memories, you know, like. So yeah, it's mad, and the season two again, it kind of function like the the show functions really well. Seasons one to two, um, characters get into deeper shit, and uh, it's almost like an all out war. Uh, the Sean and Sunny kind of start to distrust each other, and things happen, and new in- um, characters get introduced, and blah, 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 blah. um, I think one complaint that. I think I would have over the whole series is how they don't really talk about um all as much as the men are two dimensional and the show's two or three dimensional depending how you look at it the women on the show are just so one dimensional it pains me like it is frustrating because I'm like this is not how it work like and I think a lot of people kind of just kind of see the kind of the drugs game or whatever as like a male dominated space. And to be quite frank, it really is. But to um to have fe- to have women not really in the picture at all, only until like season three, and to be quite honest, it does feel like a little bit of like a quota ticking thing, but I'll get into season three later. Um it like it, I don't know, I think it falls short on storytelling-wise. And just to divert very quickly, like, I'm not a writer by any shape or form. Like, I'm not, like, a TV writer. I, I'm i a person with an opinion, like many other people are. <laughs> but uh, to just deflect on that, like, the reason I love Top, Top Boy so much is it feels a little bit like home. Um, and not in a sense that I grew up in London, as much as I mentioned on this programme many a time, I'm not from London, from Windsor. Um, <laughs> but what I love about it is that, like, because I grew up on the estate and I grew up, how do I say this without implicating anybody in my family? I grew up around things, is <laughs> what I'm going to say. Like, you know, my family worked no good and... It is, it is what it is, they still are. And again, I'm not saying this on this podcast. But, <laughs> but um, you know, that criminal history and, like, just, you know, runners of the police and, you know, gang shit and whatnot. Like, that... It, I wasn't directly involved in that, but that was my surroundings. Um, as much as we'd like it or not. Like, my dad especially... If I gave you his name, you could Google it, and it would be he would be a frenzy because people would be like, "Whoa, um, you know, that's like." So when I watched Top Boy, it kind of the like the, their activities and the way that they talk to each other, the way they interact with each other, like especially like the way that the dads are with the kids, like because what is I find really funny is that like they always talk about, yeah, you know, we don't want to get our girls involved or don't want to get our children involved, but like if you bring them into it like you you don't hire childcare per se <laughs> they're always gonna be um involved in some shit like 
no matter what happens. Like, or they're going to be witness to it. Like, they're going to know uh, what's going on. Kids aren't stupid. Um, and I think what I do like is that they give the kids a bit of... Like, they don't t- treat the kids like shit. Like... The kids know what's going on. They're not like, oh, cocaine, what is this? It's like, oh, okay, I see how this is going on. Like, I like how they treat the kids in Top Boy, but the women, like, again, going back to it, from my experience, I know even as, like, a a, a girl, like, I was a lot smarter than some of these kids, you know what I mean? Like, you know what's going on. Or even if you don't, you're still, you, you're so used to it. It's not like you're completely oblivious. Do you know what I mean? And I think um, it would be quite interesting. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do it in season four, but, you know, here's the hoping. I hope they kind of treat the women a little bit better, especially, like, Renelle's mum. Like, you know, she... It was very alluded to, but, like, her ex-partner, Renelle's dad, uh, was involved in some shit. I can't remember what it was off off the top of my head. But... Um, she was depressed over it, and she ended up getting admitted, blah, blah, blah. But then she just kind of recovered really quickly. <laughs> she was just like, you know, um, like, oh, you know, I just got through it, and I just did it through, like, medicine, and now I'm back, and I'm on my bullshit. And I was like, I, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, especially, again, not putting my family's business out there but like when you come out of a relationship with someone that was involved in some shit quote unquote um it's not just like a everything's fine now you know um it's more of a kind of you you, you're always you always carry that with you there's always a sense of security that you have with your kids with yourself with the way that you hand yourself around people like your guards up your guard is up a little bit more um so I find it quite strange how again the women are quite one-dimensional and if I'm gonna be really blunt the white women get away with so much on this show it is actually disgusting like like this one white woman who I recognize she is in something uh it's white women season one or two uh she's growing weed and she's pregnant because she wants money for a better flat and she gets Renelle to help and rare 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 like watch the show it's cool um but whereas you know she could she kind of gets a bit of a slap of <gasps> you know, you put a black boy, a young black boy in danger of, um, not only gang shit, but just, like, um, the police and just basically getting a young black boy involved in criminal activity for your own selfish gain and, like, did it really repay him for all the danger that you put him in? Like, what? I don't know. It was just a bit wild. Um, but yeah, talk about white moon. Uh, they involve more white people in season three of Top Boy, where it's a bit of a time jump because obviously, in reality, there is a huge time jump. Um, man's in Jamaica and uh, <laughs> uh, things are going down. I'm not going to spill the whole plot for you because, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, catch up. But I get people work nine to fives and shit. Uh, but just things go down a bit more. It's a bit, it kind of talks about the current climate of. 
uh, Britain and what's going on on the streets now compared to, say, 10 years ago. Um, and it does okay. Like, I do like... I like how they talk about acid and stabbing and there are younger people involved. Dave's amazing in it. Crazy offender. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, you know, he's, uh, you know, Dave, Little Sims, all of that. They're really good, um, cameos in this. I don't say cameos, they're part of the cast, really. Um, the very good cast members in Top Boy. But again, white women gets away with everything. Uh, you know, she's in it, like, for herself, as most white people are. But the thing that, I don't know, there's just, she they just made the perfect annoying white woman in this series. And every time she came on my screen, I was like, for fuck's sake, leave me alone. Like, because they kind of just added, I feel like they just kind of had to, let's appease the white audience now. Let's add a white person, add the storyline in, you know, like, let's, you know, add the, um... You know, like, the woman who wants to go after the younger black boy and has sex with him because, you know, strapping and disaster, but I can't get involved because I'm married and I have a husband. And It's like, come on. It was just, like, so textbook. Like, I just... Ugh. Maybe it's just my own personal grievances I have with it, but I don't know. It just... That area of Top Boy frustrated me. <laughs> like, my God, it got on my nerves. However, Top boy season three kano deserves everything like everything give him all the baftas all the, like if i don't know if you can qualify for an emmy but fuck it give him an emmy F feel like it why not you know like he his performance like just elevated um again the storyline hits close to home because uh He's kind of... He takes more of a carer role. And I've talked about being a carer on my podcast before. And it... it as I said, it hit home because, you know, you kind of put yourself at risk a lot of the time. And there's a lot of trauma involved with being a carer. I'm not going to spoil it for people. But it is a bit upsetting. And, yeah, man. Like, it's... It... It really, he really outdid himself. Like, I was very impressed. I'm always impressed by Kano, but, like, this, like, this role specifically was just really good. Um, and overall, the Top Boy storyline for season three, it was good. There are just certain things I wish were done a little bit better. It was kind of, like I kind of alluded to earlier, it felt very tip-boxy. A lot of people have been saying to me that that's just Netflix. Like, they need to appeal to all their audiences. So people are expecting um, certain things to happen. People are expecting certain people to die. People are expecting certain twists. People are expecting um, certain aspects. And, yeah, people are expecting it. But then why not be different? Um, I want to say subversive, but I don't think that's what... I mean, I don't think that's what that word means, but I'll come back to that word later. <laughs> I'm not going to do a Google again. Um, but yeah, there was just something about it that I really feel like it could have pushed it a little bit further. Again, with the way that they write women in the show is a bit like, eh. Like, 
Little Sims is a cool character, um, but I don't think... Well, her name's Shelley, but Little Sims. <laughs> uh, she's a cool character, and she's... But she's just, like, the voice of reason character, which, again, is kind of like Renelle's mum was. Like, oh, that's a bad thing to do, Deshane. No shit. Like, I just... <laughs> I don't know. There was just something about it that, like, she's very, again, one-dimensional. Like, there, there wasn't, like, a lot of depth. And I... And again, going from experience, lived experience, I don't think she... Alright, so Shelley is either dumb <laughs> or they just don't know how to write her. Because... Her storyline is, like, Little Sims' storyline, and she's got a little kid who, side note, this little, like, give the kids the awards. Kids, like, there's a kids' BAFTAs. I know there's a kids' BAFTAs. I used to work there. Give the kids the awards. Give them the things. Because the, her, there's, she has a little daughter called Tish, and she is just an amazing actor. And maybe because she reminds me of me, I don't know. But, my God, the kids are great. Nah, but anyway. Um, but... Yeah, like, I, she has a daughter, it's a bit too old, actually. Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm getting way off track here. Um, but yeah, she's a daughter, and dad ain't shit, didn't really care about the daughter when she was born. Again, you know, it's a very, it's not of a, it's a very common story, as in, like, it's not unheard of on TV shows, um, especially with black women, but a conversation for another day. Um... But she, you know, ain't shit dad, she's worked her way up and she's done it the right way and she wants the best and she just wants everything to be normal and no conflict and then she gets involved with a drug dealer. Like, it's like... Like, and I, granted, I don't think she fully well knows what he does, but of course she does because he's Deshane and he has a name for us. It's like, I don't really understand where her mind is at. <laughs> this woman, like... I don't understand, like, what about getting involved with a drug dealer says no conflict to you? And this is not to say that this doesn't happen because I have witnessed it myself. Um, but I don't think it's the idea of having, like, a no conflict, a peaceful life, someone that kind of looks after you. It's, I guess, by this, if you're going by textbook standards, it's familiarity, it's like... I'm going, I'm being with someone who was exactly like my old partner, but it's like a familiarity, it's comfort for me, it's someone, it's something that I recognise in somebody else, like, I understand this person, like, maybe it could be like a thing of, I feel like I can fix this person, I don't know, or like, I can put them on the right path, or whatever, they tried that in season two, and with this lawyer person who she got on my nerves, but that's for other reasons, um, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but, um, yeah, like, I feel like it's not as easy as, oh, I don't want more conflict. Like, there's, you know, she, obviously she likes the geezer, um, but there's more, like, even you being associated with somebody like that, like Deshane, he, just he's, like, the, the top boy, you know. Like, he, um, you know, you being associated with someone like that instantly puts you in danger. Like, for fuck's sake, like, the amount of times that people were threatening her, like, that she didn't even know about it, like, come on, like, and you, I think you would know this, like, associating with someone like this, you would know that, 
um, you're putting yourself in danger. So, I'm, again, I'm kind of confused as to why she was just so willy-nilly. Like, come to my daughter's game, it's fine. You know, my daughter gets shot while she's swimming, it's cool. Like, what? I don't know. It Again, the women in the show, they're just very one-dimensional, very much, like, kind of props for the men to learn things. And in reality... Uh, in reality it's 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 so much more complicated i hate the word nuanced of the way that twitter has ruined it for me but it is more nuanced in reality if you want a story to be a representation of you know whatever or if you just want to tell a good story realistically which is what people are kind of there for um i don't know deshaun wouldn't be that nice like to his girl like he'd be nicer to say you know, his girl than whoever, but, you know, people like Deshaun in real life aren't that nice, or there's a more of a manipulative tactic in all of their relationships, like, you don't kind of switch off manipulation, and I think the way that they, like, Deshaun with Shelley and Deshaun with his boys and whatever, like, they're too very different people and realistically like you would see that more with the way he would interact with Shelley like you would see it the way he would be talking to her more like he wouldn't be talking to her like his equal which you know that's what you want in a show and I think what the show kind of fails to do is that I think it fails to it kind of is pandering to what the audience expects not actually again telling a good story and again like talking about kind of the nuances of these type of situations that actually happen and you know I think again I think the women aspect of the show it kind of falls short the kids on the other hand are just again I've said it before I've said it like three times already I'm saying again the kids deserve all the things like the two boys they kind of replace Ronell and Jem because like they're older now um but there's two other little boys and they're just so cute <laughs> like and it makes me sad because like, all the boys uh i think one of them's called steven like they're like my little brother's age so when something happens to them in the last ish episode i just almost bored because i was like no um but again my a criticism with the kids and their storylines is that they don't really and I guess, how do you show on a TV show? If I'm actually thinking out loud, how do you show um, certain aspects of nuance on a TV show? I don't know. Maybe making it longer? I don't know. But, like, for me, one of the boys, and this is a spoiler, 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 um, one of the boys has to do something and set one of their friends up, essentially. Um... And, you know, he gets, he, he does it, but he feels conflicted and he's upset and whatnot and rare, 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 rare. I think, I think there basically could have been an extra episode or extra few episodes of this season. Or I think it could have been an extra season, to be quite honest. Because as a young kid, to go through something that's traumatic, like knowing you set your friend up uh, for the police to come and literally put them in federal, like, uh, custody... Like, that's one traumatic for Stephen. Like, for... I think it's Stephen. For this little kid. Um, 
but also traumatic for that friend who set him up because it's like you know you know that that friendship's either going to end or you have to keep that secret you may kind of go into yourself become depressed or whatnot and you're doing it for like the quote-unquote greater good um because you're trying to help out your mum and you're kind of indebted to these people who are kind of essentially blackmailing you, you know, like, there's so much to that, there's so much more to it than just, like, oh, it's a shame, and I think what disappointed me is, because I was seeing um, people talk about it online and in person, and they were like, oh, this little boy was so annoying, how can you set your friend up? I was like, hang on, this little boy had to, like, people were um, comparing him to Tariq in power, which, who we'll get to, um, you know, like, it's a bit different, that's not just, it's not, um, it's, it's not like he had a choice in the matter, like, he did, but at the same time, he felt like he didn't, because of the way the system was set up, and if another thing, and this is probably the most controversial thing I'm going to say on this show, is I watched a behind the scenes about it on Netflix I again I would like to preface by saying I do not understand TV dynamics I don't understand writer room dynamics I don't know what the writer rooms per se of what Top Boys look like I don't know I'm not going to even entertain that thought because I don't want it to be ruined for me um what I will say is what frustrated me is a lot of the directors, uh, the key players, uh, that's probably the best way to describe it, the key players in who, of the, um, of Top Boy were white and Irish. Again, it sounds like I'm very anti-Irish, I'm not, like, you know, I love the Cranberries, you know, I watch Dairy Girls, <laughs> but, like, it's, a world beyond them and as much as they could kind of understand the experiences of these black men black women black children um there was like a barrier there that i think it was visible when you watch how the show progressed what i mean by that is i was watching this documentary and a lot of the white people uh who were on the show and it was about Top Boy, by the way. I should have really said that first. Um, and they said this line, and it was like, you see, it's just, you know, a story about some people who get into, like, really bad things. You know, yes, they make the wrong choices, but it's for the right reasons. And I was like, oh, have you missed the point, sir? <laughs> like, have you missed the point? Like, my God. And I think, again, it, it plays into the stereotype, and if we want to talk about playing in the stereotypes, here we go. Um, it plays into the stereotype that, especially black people, like they go into drugs, they do illegal, quote unquote, illegal things because you know what? Um, I'm poor and I need money quickly, and rare, 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 rare. Um, it's not really how it works. Like the system is set up for you to. For you to not, for things to be harder for you if you're black, um, that is like common knowledge. Like anyone can tell you that, you know. Um, the system is set up that it's just harder. It's more of a struggle, and you don't get as much as the rewards and whatnot. And you know, 
so, and also not just black people, but just working class people in general. Like, capitalism is a thing. Like, you know, especially with austerity and all the things that are kind of happening now. Like, there are a lot of people who are struggling and a lot of people who are having to make decisions, you know, because this is, it's survival. It is survival. Like, people do it because there is sometimes no other way out or it is, well, I don't want to say the easy way out, but it's probably the safer way, if that makes any sense. Because, like, for example, say that someone, uh, you know, like, there's a, there's like a a rival group. What do they call themselves? I can't remember. There's like three brothers. The parents have died, so the older brothers look after them. And say like all of them go to uni, or you know all of them go to education per se. And uh, the middle brother wanted to do like a start up or whatever. Um, excuse me. Um, the older brother, I don't know, goes into business, and the younger brother studying his GCSEs, whatever, who, who gives a fuck at this point, um, they've all got student debt, you know, the brothers can go into benefits, but they're not technically qualified, I don't think, they can't, they obviously get some sort of benefits from the government, but not, um, enough to live, especially in, I think it's East London they're in, London feels that east. I do not know anything about London. <laughs> um, you know, they're in London, so it's expensive. Um, you know, like, and obviously, like, it's unfair to expect young people to sacrifice everyday, like, activities, like going out, having fun, drinking, whatever, buying nice clothes. That's, you know, it's unfair to expect people, young people or working-class people to... Um, sacrifice that and whatever so you know like expenses do add up and if we all being blunt like working three or four jobs is not healthy for you and sometimes it's like what even if I just sell this one uh you know this one load or whatever like then I could pay rent do you know what I mean like it's it's not like a oh it's you know, they had two options and they picked the darker path, but, you know, it was the wrong choice, but we understand why they did it. It's because things aren't given to you from the get-go. So it's like, well, what the fuck? Like, and especially on, at every point, even if you do go the good route, like the good route, quote-unquote, because is it really good? That's a conversation for another day. You know, the police still target you, you still get stuck, like, it's it's like you can't escape it, so it's just, and this is uh, such a day-old argument, like, it's such a, an old, um, it's such an old argument, it's such a, uh, it's a worn-out one, per se, because I feel like we're just repeating ourselves, but I think the that producer whoever he was was saying like they made the wrong decision but for the right reasons like it just kind of that was my issue with it that was my issue with season three of top boy is the fact that it didn't delve into it in the way that i expected it to um and especially like in the past two seasons i did attempt to do certain things um like yes it talked about gentrification we all know gentrification is happening in London. London, you know, did you see Misty? Like, yes, talked about immigration and how the government are very unfair and shady and whatnot. We know this. We Windrush was like not even a month ago. Like, it's still happening right now. Like, 
you know, yes, you know, like certain things it did talk about, but just like actually criticizing the system and criticizing the um the way that it functions to actually force people into certain dangerous situations like it didn't it didn't even delve into that aspect of it and it's like you know i think there's there's so much that this could be talked about with this like actually i think it just could be just a little bit more deeper but I won't, like, be like, and I'm not going to watch it because it wasn't reflective of my childhood. Not like that. Like, it's just criticism. It's all... It's all in fun. It's all in jest. Um, but over, but that being said, Top Boy Season 3, it was good. Like, I did enjoy it. It was very helpful for me at the time. And I think, especially of what... When it came out, like, I will hold it deep in my heart. Um... And yeah, onward and upwards, guys. Hire me for the writing room in season four, even though I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> nah, like I just my my main hope for it in the future is that it um kind of talks about the nuances because oh, going back to it, even like hierarchies, like like the hierarchies with um of how things happen. Like there is a hierarchy because certain someone dies because of he gets put down a peg but like again involving women in that because obviously women get involved in the drug game too but like there's a hierarchy even with that and i think that would be an amazing thing to to talk about and stuff like that anyway that was my rant about nothing (laughs) look at me look at me being on brand um that's the end of the podcast um, the next week's episode is going to be a very, very, very special one, because finally we have a guest, um, and it's going to be recorded a bit differently, so it may come out a bit later, but we will see, I will try my best to get it out, um, on time, but nevertheless, I hope you have a lovely week, I hope you are looking after yourselves and whatnot, um, and yeah, sending my love out to everyone as per usual. You can find this podcast um, at the... Ooh, hold on. <laughs> Rewind. I have something else I want to announce. I ran a Twitter and Instagram poll because, you know, we would like to um, be fair, per se. Um... And I am thinking about changing, uh, I am thinking about changing the name of this podcast. I am not 100% sure because the podcast about nothing kind of describes the ethos of the the podcast. Like it is me chatting breeze, chatting shit for like, you know, um, a good hour or two. You know, that's kind of the, the idea of it. But... I think as my life is changing, um, as things are kind of happening, like, the podcast about nothing doesn't really get the crux of it, if that makes any sense. Like, yes, this podcast is about me chatting shit for an hour, but actually I'm talking about something. There is a subject matter to each episode. There is a somewhat a theme, somewhat, there's a somewhat structure, you know, and... I didn't expect this podcast to get so personal. Like, I'm quite transparent um, in terms of me as a person. 
um, me as an individual and with me as like uh, me as somebody who is a creative and who is young and who is trying to figure shit out. Um, I didn't realize how transparent I was going to be, so I'd be a bit more translucent. But here we are. Um, and I think the podcast about nothing basically does it a disservice. I think it doesn't really capture and like embody what I want this podcast to be. Um, and so I'm thinking about changing the name to just vent to just V E N T, uh, just a venting podcast, like just vent, even just vent would be quite cool. Um, I don't know, and the reason why I'm on the fence is that my Twitter poll came out 50-50, and my Instagram poll came out literally 82% said they want to change the name to Vent, and about one person said, I would like to change the name, keep the name the same, said the podcast about nothing. Um, So, it's a bit of a weird one, I don't really know how I feel about it, like, I don't know, um, if I am gonna change it, I think I might, but it's just, like, the effort that I put behind it as well, like, it's not just, oh, just change your name and it's fine, like, I've got to get a new logo, I've got, I might even actually take some pictures, I don't know, I, you know, like, I, it, there's more, there's more to it than just, oh, that's that, you know, whatever, like, it, th- there's a lot of the more marketing, rebranding, and I, I don't know if so early on, if it's worth me changing it to then, but on the other hand, and this is me being totally transparent, people, um, the reason, that, another reason I wanted to change it to then is because in the future, I want passion to be more than just a performance-based event. I do kind of want to have a discussion with the Passion Project. I do kind of want the there to be an element of talking and just opening up a space to vent about certain aspects of it. And I would like to bring some of those issues to the podcast. And I think basically what I'm alluding to is I would like to merge those two ventures together because doing this being a creative doing a podcast being a musician being a freelance teacher being an event organizer is it's like all these things in one is getting a little bit tiring um and I'm at this point now where I'm like I don't know what's my best angle is or I don't know what my next step is um so rather than just kind of letting this podcast like die as I'm panicking is I'm going to ask you guys what do you think I should do in terms of the name of the podcast and the ethos of ethos of it <laughs> should I change the name to vent should I change like I guess certain elements of it should I actually have themes and stuff or should I keep it about the podcast about nothing? Like, should I keep the original name? Um, but change certain aspects of the way I do things. I don't know. I just feel like a change is going to come. Cue Sam Cook song. Um, I feel like a change is happening. And 
I'm uncomfortable, but it's it's happening for a good reason. Um, but I need your input. So, for now, it is the podcast about nothing. Um, and it is at Nothing Pod on Twitter, and it is at the podcast about nothing underscore um, on inst- on the Instagram. And follow me on Instagram because like. I get everything's kind of dead there, but like, you know, I'm not the scariest person. And like, uh, yeah, I barely block people on my Instagram. Like, I block loads of people um, on my uh, main accounts, but you know, I'm quite friendly. So, check it out. Anyway, that was the longest outro in the world. Uh, I shall speak to y'all later. And yeah, have a lovely week. Jim's and Dames.